0: Welcome to The Aesthetic City podcast. In this show, we aim to discover how to go forward and create a more livable, beautiful, and healthy built environment. I'm Ruben Hansen, your host and founder of The Aesthetic City. Today's guest is an experienced Dutch urbanist. He has worked as lead urban designer and advisor in the town planning department of The Hague, a partner in the Dutch urban design firm Wissing, and he has been a member of various organizations focused on European urbanism heritage and traditional architecture and building. Since 2013, he works in his own design firm, Stadt, based in the beautiful city of Delft. He was also one of our teachers of the summer school Let's Build a Beautiful City in Utrecht this year, where 22 international students learned all about the art of creating beautiful, livable and future-proof cities. I was happy to finally have a conversation with him. So please welcome Peter Verschuren. Thank you for uh, joining this interview, uh, Peter. Okay. (laughs) No problem at all. Yeah, so you were at the summer school as well in Utrecht, summer. So how did you experience this summer school?
1: Well, for me, it was also a new experience. It was lovely to uh, meet a bunch of people who were so willing to uh, learn about urbanism and architecture. It was amazing that a lot of them didn't even work in architecture but were really interested in, in making drawings about urbanism and architecture. Yeah. Wonderful.
0: What did you like most about teaching your style or your views on urbanism to the students? Uh,
1: what did I like most of it? Of course I like to tell my story, so the story with the, the slides, the images, because these are really the core subjects i want to express in uh, what is important in urbanism and the overlap in urbanism and architecture but of course i like also to get people to draw because lots lot of people uh, are a little bit anxious to take the pencil and to start drawing and it's i i feel it really like i'm winning something when they take up the pencil and their their color stuff and start drawing. I always say, who draws has the power. Uh, of course, talking about it later, about what you, what you did draw is very important. But starting to draw, to express yourself in what you like to make, is really a power.
0: Yeah. And you also often said, yeah, you need to have confidence in the lines you draw uh, because you (laughs) saw people putting down lines without courage to put it in the right place and to uh, to really confidently draw these lines yes
1: (laughs) and that's about the drawing techniques well that's just how I learned it in my university that's really a, a kind of technique because of course there are painters who take up a pencil and do it the other way but to to make a clear drawing and that's that has a function in architecture and and urbanism Um, a clear drawing you make with lines that cross each other and not leave open ends so that's that's an aspect of this this starting with a point draw your line concentrated not not in a in a uh, f- in a quick movement, but in a controlled movement to the end that's really important and yeah. and and that's and I think the the moment you do that you are concentrating on drawing it like you want to have it straight or bending or whatever you like
0: yeah as you said you you learned this during your education your architecture education in Delft could you yes. tell a bit about how that was at the time
1: well of course it was a time it, it i started in 68 1968 so at that moment there wasn't any computer any computer help not at all uh, so you just started in very old fashioned like you did start in the in in the age before in the 18th century in the 19th century yeah uh, so so it was really <laughs> Uh, really, the the last period of a, of a very traditional education, and uh, and h- drawing by hand was was really a must for an architect. You the only way you could express yourself was drawing by hand. Uh, so all this help you have now to make perspective drawings uh, with a computer you didn't have. So you learned to make. A, pers- a perspective in a drawing. And, and that was really... I thought it fascinating. I liked it, of course. I liked it, and I think that's why I, I, I'm still doing it. I liked drawing. I liked drawing already in high school. That's, that's one of the reasons I wanted to do architecture. And um, because I started yeah. to do architecture, my education was an education as an architect. But at the end of my studies... Uh, I was asked to come and work in the city of Rotterdam, in the yeah. municipality, and that was an urban department. So there I was, all of a sudden confronted with urbanism. Uh, and after two years of, of doing the practice of urbanism, I started to like it. Uh, all of all of a sudden, I saw the the aspect uh, the aspect of of quality and space on an urban scale, I I didn't see that before. And during my education, uh, I saw sometimes drawings of uh, well, urban in urbanism educated students, and I always saw uh, arrows and zones and hmm. and and but not not really realistic uh, images of of urban situations so and and in architecture always saw buildings you saw really in the drawings you saw buildings so that was quite clear to me during my studies and it took some time uh, to see the quality of uh, of space in in urbanism
0: yeah yeah and and uh, what kind of projects did you do when you just started out with urban design it was the
1: municipality it wasn't firm it was it, yeah. it, it was really uh the, the urban department of uh, of planning yeah. city planning and i and and they took me there as a coordinator as an organizer because uh, i did already work as a as a student job on the university i organized uh, lecturers who came from outside who were guests on the on the university and i organized their uh, their courses. so it was really an organizing two days a week uh, just to earn some money. Yeah. And the, my friends who were, had already finished their studies, they recognized that I was quite uh, practical and handy in in organizing. so they said, well, Come on, leave mm. this, uh, leave this university, and come to us in 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 the real world of urbanism. And you can organize also two days a week. So I started with a job of organizing. And organizing what? <laughs> that was the question. And yeah. then my the first que- question was, well, Peter, we have sl- we have a small problem here. Uh, there is a, a developer who wants to make two big buildings big halls in which you can play tennis, and it must be placed here along this route. And I think maybe you you are also handy with a pencil, isn't it? I said yes, I am. <laughs> and and uh, uh, so could you place these buildings somewhere? Uh, they've these dimensions, and uh, they need uh, uh, of course a lot of parking uh, c- parking places. So. C- well, just talk to this guy who likes to make them and see if you can come with a proposal and that was my first urban project to place two tennis halls.
0: Wow <laughs> <laughs> so and and um, at this moment, you have your own firm uh, Um so what happened like from yeah from working for the municipality until that time? like how did your well, well dev- evolve?
1: quickly said, I met. The urban profession in Rotterdam, I began to understand the, all the, all the parties, all the people that play a role in it, developers, public, the, of course the municipality itself, the board of the municipality, the, the, the traffic t- technicians, all these people that play a role in urban in an urban scheme that has to be realized. That was Rotterdam during... I was there during nine years and only the last three years I really began to design bigger projects. Yeah. And bigger projects, that means up to 300 houses, yeah. 300 elements. in, and, 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 and so. And in The Hague, after that, I worked for eight years also for the municipality I was attracted there to give the lead <laughs> to a group of designers. And yeah. I must say, I took that lead. I, and it was true, these designers didn't design at all. They just uh, criticized schemes <laughs> that came in from outside by private, de- private offices. So uh, I started to say, well, why don't you... Make your drawings here inside. Let's do it. So I started to design in the Hague, and that was appreciated enormously yeah. by the by the managers, by the di- by, by the, the directors. They liked that that I really I l- was active. I was proactive. I did proposals for situations uh, where even not a proposal was asked. I had my own shop in fact I could uh, I I was very free to uh, to lead the work that I did and and I was put on the centre of the Hague as the main designer and that was incredible how we how, how I met Rob Creer there for the first time yeah. I was asked can we can we take Rob Creer in to do the design of a real important site in the center, and I was the first one who said yes, Rob Freer. I like his urbanism. I think we can well work together, and that was a that was the start of of a very important period. And um, I was successful there with yeah. this co- this cooperation with with this Rob Freer. And after that. I was asked, after these nine years The Hague, I was asked by a, a private office to come into the partnership of their office. And uh, and I said, okay, I want to be a partner, but I want to continue designing. And they're really a big stream of of important plans came to me yeah i had i had to design a lot of things and and that was since i that was from 96 97 from 97 up to uh, 2013 so that was for about 16 years that i worked there and then uh, just by the Situation in the country, the economical situation—it was crisis, economical crisis. The the office went bankrupt, and I went on as a as my own uh, one man private office, and in fact, I yeah. continued all the uh, all the project I was doing already for this office that went bankrupt, but these people. Uh, continued also uh, on under the same name with a with with a small with the smaller very very small office they were very uh clever in, in restarting the office and they asked me as yeah. a private uh, person to work for them in a lot of projects and ne- next to that I had other projects in uh, in it yeah okay
0: yeah. wow, and and are you still active with uh, well your your current office, Fine or Pleasant City at well, this moment? Or have well, you
1: I'm 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 ending it because I'm uh, in December, next December I'll be will be seventy two, and in January January of this year, twenty two, I said to uh, my uh, my uh, commissioners, um, I want to give this over to other designers of of the other office of Wissing Urbanism and uh, that's the name of that office and uh, and they took it over and I worked them in, I, I helped uh, uh, them to come in these projects I knew them very well so I I, uh, I knew that th- this work uh, was coming in good hands and yeah. there's only one project I'm still continuing in but uh, the official uh, the, uh, the official firm Feinstadt, in fact, for the um, the treasury, has has stopped. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. But you you worked with Rob Creer. Um, yes. How was it like?
1: Um, it it was absolutely fantastic, I must say, <laughs> because he was so clear in uh, this item that I just said that. Who makes a drawing has a power. And he, he, he made beautiful drawings. That one, yeah. one of the first reasons that I said immediately, I like the way he is working, I like the way he's drawing. What he was missing, uh, and I was helping in that, is that hmm. he missed all the technical extra uh, elements that are very important in an inner city, the tramways. The, the 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 ways the cars had to, has to be handled uh bikes has to be handled pedestrians that is not in his in his state of mind he no. only sees urban space as the main uh thing in his work and it is also what was very intriguing that he was really not uh his design work as placing buildings somewhere. No, he was creating urban space. Like you have a big mass of stone and you cut yeah. out spaces in it and then you have a place. So in the most literally way, he was placemaking in his drawings. And that's a term placemaking I still am using for uh, uh, an important, important aspect of my work. In fact, we are placemaking. We are yeah. making space and the buildings have a function that they form the facades the f- they they are the enclosing parts of this space you are making yeah and I think that's also uh, a big difference with modernism and modern urbanism that they place in fact the buildings as objects in a in a s- space without borders yeah so as as separate objects uh, in a space and and then you have left space between the buildings and often that hasn't quality by chance it can, ha- it can have quality but it's not their first focus the first focus is to is to build at mass and not to space in between
0: yeah yeah, because you, you also said you find the, the role of the facade very important in the, yeah, the urban context yes. and the expression of the facade. Could you tell a bit about that?
1: Well, I think that is, uh, uh, you've always uh, these sayings that say there's no urbanism without architecture or there's no yeah. architecture without urbanism. I think urbanism needs architecture to be appreciated. Uh, And I often give the example that imagine that the facades in a street don't have any window, don't have any opening, don't have doors, don't have any signs on the walls. So they are just walls. Imagine a street like that or a place like that. They are dead. So the the walls express something and the and the main thing in that is the openings in the walls yeah and the fact that they are buildings and that there are people inside so you can recognize there is a roof on this building so the roof is expressed in the facade that you can see often you can't see in the city the roof but you the moment that the the roof is coming over the facade you recognize well there's a roof on this building and that's nice and the moment you see that there that the opening is has as an expression you are aware of the fact or you're not even really aware but you feel that there are, there's life behind it and so i always say every detail of a of an opening in a building expresses a kind of life behind it. And that's also why op- on the moment you have sunscreens that cover windows totally, all of a sudden the wall is blind and and the life disappears. It's dead. And then you recognize also that the fact you see that the, the glass in in a window opening is lying back, so you can really see in the, in the forms, in the plasticism no. of the facade, that there is an opening, then you recognize life behind it, so the, the fact, and it's in going in two directions also, within the building, you like to recognize love, life outside, You don't have windows only to look outside, or or, uh, only to have light from outside to the interior, but you always like to look outside too. You want to recognize love, life outside. So there is a very fine uh, feeling of each other inside and outside a facade. Yeah and that's why i think the, the 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 meaning of openings in a building are very uh important for the way you f- you feel the atmosphere in a street or on a place yeah and and then you can go to every detail the window sill f- for example expresses something that someone could open the window and lean on the windowsill and look outside it's an optimal contact between people inside and outside when you're inside you always want to be a little bit protected also when you look outside Mm -hmm. that's why uh, there are all kinds of forms in in facades in the way windows look out and you want to be inside, and you want to recognize the world outside. And at the other at the other hand, the people outside recognize there's some someone uh, looking at you, but they are inside. So these two worlds between private and, and private space and public space are are so interesting, and and the way the building details uh, play a role in that movement between in and out is. Is lovely to, to to recognize, yeah, and and that's also why I think that the little bars in old old window openings, you all see always see these little bars in yeah. the in the in the in the
0: screen, yeah, yeah. And millions, and uh,
1: it works a little bit. I don't know if it's a it's it's a French word, the word voile. So that was this thin, half-transparent uh, yeah. tissue that had, in the past, had women. Just to be recognized, but not really. But not. But they were protected. You, they, they did. They, they didn't show their their real face. But you saw there was life behind this tissue, and the and that's the way these little bars and windows, also work between the private world inside. You can see there is something. You see something between these bars, but you recognize very well the screen of the glass with these bars in it, as a protecting uh, screen between a protecting world, a protecting thing between inside and outside.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and where do you see this going wrong or right? And there was
1: uh, certainly a moment, I think it was about in, in the 90s or 2000, that there were architects who said about the, the way they, they wanted to put windows in their facades. They said, "Look here, how how it is fantastic in the same surface, in the same same you know, yes, yeah, surface is the word as the wall itself. There isn't any interruption. You feel it like, and it, it's it's really yep. uh, one surface, just flat. And they were very proud of that. They could ha- could uh, that they made these technical solutions, that they were like a." Like in a very fast train, you see these windows, but there they have a function, of course, because the wind has, uh, the, the, the the air resistance has, has to be minimized. But in a building, that's not the question. So they were very proud of the fact that they had constr- uh, they detailed this in that way. And I always say, well, that's nasty, because you don't recognize the window as an opening yeah. from in, from yeah. outside to inside.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Those really streamlined buildings, uh, isn't it a form of minimalism architects are often striving towards? Because doing minimalism in a really good way is very hard and expensive because you need to really make very tight tolerances. But yeah, then completely overlooking what makes people connect to a building, which is the openness. Yeah, I
1: think that's that's yeah. the main point. That Of course, you can be very focused on the aesthetic ideals, of detailing and there was a moment in architecture i think that was mias van der Rohe that yeah. said that first less is more yeah I, I it was so such a fashionable term i think and if you saw his own solutions in in uh, skyscraper uh, in where was it and i think it was uh, in chicago and you saw the detailing he had to make <laughs> Just to fit in a window in a facade that it looked from the outside and from the inside very simple. But if you saw the section of this part, it was in fact very complicated to make it watertight and windtight. <laughs> so of course it was among architects a kind of logic term. Less is more, of course. But I have always thought, no, why? Why is less more? Why? Why? There are so many details, and I think history is very has has given so many examples in it that that deco- even decoration. Where you, of course, you can say decorations is really an extra. Yeah, there's there's technically no need for it, but often often decoration was making more beautiful a technical part. It was needed in. Yeah. in in the in former constructions and i must admit that i history is, has always been a kind of focus for me i have always liked buildings who made in their detailing or in their expression some connection with history yeah and uh, some people are saying, well, that's historicism, or that is not of these times. Or, and I always say, well, I like it. <laughs> Simple <laughs> as that. And uh, I admit also that during my education in here in Delft, on the, on the university, the two projects I liked most, these were projects that, yeah. that took four, four months at the time, my fifth. My, 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 my fifth uh, project was a restoration of an old house in, in a small yeah. town in Holland. And I liked that very much because of its details. The stairway that was circling uh, to the upper floor and the way th- the, the, the roof was connected to the facade with all these corniches. And I liked that very much. Even the front door, the way it was detailed, was so lovely, and and later on I did here on a, a restoration project also in, during my education on what was said the oldest house of Delft, and I loved it. It had the rests of two small towers on the edges of of the facade, and I I loved to f- to to finish them again yeah. as small towers. And well, I, so I must say that. Uh, historical details often, uh, made a lot of attraction to me.
0: Yeah. And, um, yeah, because nowadays there's, there's a lot of people who also really value traditional design and classical design and yeah, a lot of modern architects don't really seem to like that or acknowledge that. And what do you think about this tension between what most of the public, perhaps like 80% likes and what the majority of architects believe?
1: Well, I'm very aware of the, the the very different appreciation of architecture by uh, a lot of people. There's a lot of difference between the ways people look to objects or to aesthetics. Or I saw that already on my student room in a student flat where we lived with 18 students, and if you look to the different rooms of all these people. Yeah, that the architects, uh, the students in architecture, well, you saw that they had some care for their interior, (laughs) and there were objects that that really were worthwhile putting putting them in your room. And there were students who only made a big mess of it, and they were really not interested in how things looked like. Absolutely not. So I was always aware of the fact that people look very different to to. Uh, to architecture also but i worked for many many years now also in in the supervision of of big projects and i had a lot of contact with people who were looking out for for a house or liked to build a house themselves and i recognized that i think that the majority loves uh the the old prototype of house that means there's a pitch roof uh, and in in holland on a on a brick brick facade yeah uh, and and there's absolutely a lot of appreciation of old cities with old streets with all these detailed windows but the moment you talk with with people about their own house they also like that it's very practical that it all has to be cleaned very simply so yeah. all these little bars on in the in the windows well they appreciate where they appreciate these windows when they are at the other side of the, the street. But for themselves, lots of them say, well, it's kind of complicated to clean, so well, could you make that a little bit sim- more simply? So So I often ended with saying, I just want to have something in this in this window sill so One bar, two bars, some people said, "Well, I, I like I uh, like one vertical and and three horizontal," so uh, there are people who really appreciate it and they accepted this difficulty yeah. in cleaning. Uh, but there were also people who said, "Well, I don't like these bars when I look outside and there is a bar uh, just uh, where I have my eyes." So can you can you make only a bar uh, a little bit higher? So so we discussed it about that and a lot of people are quite. I always met couples that the man said, "Well, it doesn't interest me too much. How it is? It's just how 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 much money does it take with it if you're detailing this way or that way?" Hmm. They were, yeah. And I must say it's maybe a, a little bit a traditional, but the women were more focused on the aesthetics of the house, and and I I see in general, but there were always exceptions, of course but in general they were some more they were they liked talking about it and they were they had a clear idea of how they liked it and and, and yeah. you you said a lot of, of you said uh, percentages a few minutes ago and i say it's about 75 80% who likes to have these traditional detailing in it the traditional form of the general house about 10% Really likes 10 to 15 percent, really likes modern. Yeah, expresses clearly we want it to have it straight modern of this time and of a little bit future like, even that's well, really futuristic is maybe only five percent. They want you, they always want to show where they have seen it already, so it exists already. I <laughs> want to hi- house like that. Yeah, and there they are very clear. So I think a majority likes to have the more traditional idea of a house, but that doesn't mean that 85 or 80% likes to have all these traditional detailing. That's yeah. maybe about 20%, 25% that really like corniches and, and the, a little bit classical, really classical elements and, and this very specific classical detailing. But I must say, I could work very good also with uh, what we call vernacular architecture. And that means that you use in your architecture simple traditional details, not the most complicated ones, not even really classical forms, but they like riches, they like an expressed front door, I must say everybody likes expressed front doors. Everybody likes to see the difference between a front door where you where you uh, meet your guests yeah. and the door of the barn where you where you put your bike in. So and there was a time in cheap housing that these were nearly the same doors. There wasn't there, yeah. was, there wasn't any detail in the front door. It was just a flat door without any detailing in it. And now you can ask for every house, really every everywhere, a special detailing for the front door with a with a, a frame around it with a uh, cornice with something special for the the light above the door, uh, the door the door ring. Uh, <laughs> you can even. So everybody likes to give some expression of richness at their front door. Yeah, And that's that's fine, because I think that's so logic that you can see that there are you expected as a guest.
0: Yeah. What other expressions can you add to a facade without making a building too expensive? So you can build them in mass volume.
1: You think, uh, uh, you ask, in fact, what, what could you make yeah, what d- what without details, making it too yeah. expensive yeah, what in details, these detailing? Yeah, what uh, Well, I think expressions in, um, when you build in bricks, maybe we'll come to talk about that because I think building in bricks will be rare in the future because it takes a lot of energy to make them. But yeah. uh, if you make uh, facades in bricks, decoration in bricks... You can make quite easy. You just have to ask the bricklayers to put them somewhat out, uh, back or to put them some uh, a little bit forward, and there you you can play enormously with that. You can make cornices. You can make between the, the the floors of your of your building. You 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 can express the floor height. You can around around or just under the roof. You can play with bricks. And playing with bricks is not doesn't mean that you that you have to do very complicated things, so that's one thing v- very uh I think very easy uh things is just change color in bricks, yeah using a second color to make decorations is not difficult in fact, you see a lot of these examples in in nineteenth uh, century. Housing that had to be cheap, also, because yes, the houses for the, the for the for the laborers yeah had to be cheap also, and even there they made these kind of of decorations yeah that expressed a lot made made a lot of sympathy in these facades.
0: Yeah. I'm always surprised by how much detail I find in well, even these buildings in, like let's say Amsterdam, the pipe these uh, buildings built by speculants uh, yes. or yeah, uh, turn of the century buildings. They're they're quite delicate sometimes. Sometimes uh, they are. Uh, with, yes. With, sometimes with a little arch or. Uh, well, you know they were built for almost no money, and of course, they don't have all the modern insulation and i mean and 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 <laughs> yeah. labor
1: was cheaper, yeah of course. in relation yeah. to how it's now,
0: yeah, but still, it doesn't look like something impossible, like building a gothic church. no, 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 but
1: uh, well, a very important thing is of course, that most developers they want to really maximal and uh, 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 get the maximum of profits yeah. on what they are doing, yeah. So they will always try to, to save money. Of course, there are developers, and I worked, I had luck, I found, I found them, and we worked very well together, who had themselves a lot of appreciation of what they, what they left there on a spot, what they left in quality. They want to look back on a nice project. And also in developers, you have a lot of different, different <laughs> guys, different yeah. people.
0: Yeah, do do you think there is a way to let developers build more beautiful stuff without having to give them all these rules and, yeah, binding their hands hands in some way? Or does it really come down to the business and their practices?
1: Yes, it's it's also, of course, it depends often also to the municipality you're working in. Yeah. Uh, Also there you have different uh, governors, uh, different boards, different... Uh, what we call beauty committees, and they can certainly play a role in the quality of of developed yeah. housing, just by saying it has to be, it has to ha- get more quality. Yeah, it has to have. So, so there you're depending on the on really on the force of these kind of people, because uh, there are certain developers that if they already own the the, the, the ground well there could be very hard that are very very hard and really really uh do a lot of commerce on all this a lot of trading on all these aspects yeah and so you have to be also as i i had to be as a supervisor on several projects you have to be severe and you have to have the knowledge of what is really expensive what is really too expensive? So you have to have an idea yourself, also, but you you can't ask impossible things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and sometimes the municipality is uh, saying, well, we want to have houses that doesn't do a price more than three hundred thousand euros. I could just call somewhat because they want to offer uh, not only very expensive houses. And then the developers as well, then I, well, then I can't do anything, you see. And then you really have to play this out with them. So really to, to, to see where's the far end of what he can really can't make and can make.
0: Yeah, especially now with also the, the problems with supply chains, inflation, high building costs. Yeah,
1: it's really uh, very complicated. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. Um, it's a
1: but it's a game, it's a game you're playing. You can't, you never can see really the the bottom of their of their purses of their yeah yeah. So okay. so <laughs> that's it's always it's also a game. It's mm-hmm. it's really uh, well, it's really being severe.
0: Yeah. Um. So maybe a little bit more about the design process. So what is your favorite part? When you get involved in the design process and you uh, you get set to work, well, the favorite my favorite part is puzzling about how am
1: I putting in the building blocks into the site. Yeah, that's <laughs> really like you were solving a puzzle, <laughs> because it's not only putting buildings there, but it's also also putting a percentage of green in it, a percentage of water in it. Of course, you have to connect to the traffic situations. You have to uh, make the parking lots connected to the amount of houses you make. Uh, so so it's really a puzzle with a lot of ends, loose ends, yeah. but ends, <laughs> you can say. And uh, every part of of this puzzle is represented by a party, by technicians in the piping and in the traffic yeah. and in... The, and uh, ecolo- ecological uh, situation, and so you have to take this all to you and bring it on the table and mix it up and see how you can make your goal, your own goal, in making fine, nice, lovely space. And that's that's my thing. That the moment you are you are drawing down blocks, you are imagining what space will it leave when these blocks are built yeah and that i like that puzzle
0: yeah really and you you uh, you still work the old way drawing by hand on paper yes um that's uh that's getting quite rare these days but um what do you think are the advantages of such a design well method? it's
1: it's really in this this time scale of of, of puzzling because I can't without, without a computer nowadays I can't work but I have people that do that for me but in this in this first time that I have to puzzle I'm really doing that with my pencil the very best way and I'm sure you can't compare that with working in a, on a computer because you can think so swiftly in a total other direction on paper you can't do that so quick on a computer for that. I know the computer very well because I'm I'm using the computer to fill in colors and to to, to, to help to help me bring it in a further stage. But to show the first ideas, also the, the quick uh, bird's eye views of small sites, I can do that very quickly. by hand, I'm sketching a bird's eye view, around from a block from housing around a spot or housing around a place housing around a green and uh, I can change that very very quickly and I'm even putting with very small spots windows in these facades and you you can't do that in this loose way with a computer I'm very free in my movements and uh, and it it's To the one who is looking at it, the developer who is looking over your shoulder, he sees already a building in it, but he he doesn't see the detailing in architecture because for that it's too abstract, but because it's a handmade drawing, it feeds the the fantasy of the the ones who is looking at your drawings. And that makes handmade drawings so fine because with a computer you have to detail too much to show a real house. Or you have to be too abstract, and then it it does it does look too cold and too too bold. Yeah. So that's that's I think is a, is a ve- really an advantage of v- working by hand. And but I must say, the moment I have the parcels in my drawing and I, and I do it, of course, with a scale and with a, I, I work with all these instruments that I know I don't make anything that is not possible. And I don't make something that's impossible. Yeah. So so then I can give it to a computer drawer. He works in, in a CAD. And yeah. then he he's making a drawing for me and I can correct it on in his drawing. He makes a print and I'm making yeah. making the corrections on it. But I'm doing that by hand. I lay a <laughs> yeah. transfer paper on his drawing, <laughs> on his print. And I say, you have to change this and that and that. And... You could say that is a little complicated. Why shouldn't I do that in a computer? But for that, I have a good drawer next to me, <laughs> and and um, and 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 he can, of course, he can calculate the the, the surfaces of of areas, and that's really important also to yeah. to my commissioner to the developer. He has to know all these numbers, and um, that's why you need a, concha- a computer nowadays. Very very. Much. Yeah. You, you need it
0: really. Yes. Yeah. But it was also really nice to see you at the summer school, teaching you these skills, these hand drawing skills to the students. Um, and yeah, because there was such a large amount of experience behind it, uh, and it was really, I think, helpful for the students, especially in the place where we were drawing on site. Um, yes. Yeah. To get really clear drawings. Yeah. Uh, that could really communicate clearly what you were seeing. And also to see these all these students, some of which had never drawn urban plans before. It was very satisfying to see.
1: It's it's amazing, I think, in, in just a few days how they all of a sudden did realize what we were doing. Yeah. <laughs> At first they start with a blank few, not the architects, of course, but among them, but there were a lot who really were absolutely didn't have any knowledge of what they were going to do and after a week they they had really learned a lot yes
0: yeah Yeah. and as you were saying before uh, you like really puzzling with the space to create also attractive spaces and uh, when we were talking before the interview about well the essence of traditional urbanism compared to modern urbanism and you already talked a little bit about it so what is the essence of traditional urbanism how does it Make it different from modern urbanism or modernist urbanism well,
1: maybe i said it already i don't yeah. know but but the traditional is focusing on the space you want to make in my view huh? it's yeah. a common it's a combination or of some some more things but i'll first is you're concentrating on the space so you want to make a place you want to make yeah. a square and you put the buildings around it to form that space, to give it walls, to give it borders. And that could give very nasty forms for the buildings on some moments, but you can fill in every spot with a building, every strange form you can fill uh, fill in with with a building. Of course, you try to avoid too difficult forms because you know this will cost a lot of practical use of the building or of building coasts of uh, so it could be too expensive but uh, I think in nowadays uh, building uh, the idea that a building should always be rectangular is too forcing You you can make other forms in buildings so first thing is the quality of the space is first in traditional urbanism. Then it is clear that you have a, a clear public side of your building and a private yep. side in your structure. So that's why you, why you have building blocks where the inner side, most of the time, is private or is space just for the inhabitants of that building block. The public spaces outside and you have really to protect the public space also the o- open public space behind the houses you have to protect them to the to, for the for the public space because then they feel safe inside the block so you have a safe site and a site that is open to more uh, yep. risks call it risks or and so this public site, this, this this protected private side is very important. So you work with a less or more build, a, a closed block, but these blocks can also have just separate houses in it, villas have it. It can have all kinds of types in it, apartments. but always there's a public and a private side. also in the apartment buildings. Of course there are some exceptional spots where you can say, well, now I'm putting a tower, Here, and that has public space all around it, but that is very rare. Most most times of it, you let it be part of of the uh, the the mass that is surrounding your place. Yeah, and there are there are more aspects of and and let's say the opposite of modern modern urbanism is more concentrated on the object of building. So you concentrate on the building, on the builded mass, and you put it some, uh, you put it on your, in your site, and there's le- the leftover is the public space or open space, and you can have luck, and then it has quality, or you can have bad luck, and then it's a bad space, yeah. and that often happens, I must say, in in the the modern the modern sites that are really filled in with these object concentrated building yeah. lots the, the the left space hasn't any quality yeah no yeah well and and then there of course in i think in uh, traditional architecture there's a lot of reason to make at the end of a street a beautiful image so a building that's in the center of the end of a street can have a more rich facade than just next to it which you don't see because it's round the corner so you can make a lot of difference in architecture uh, between the spots where you where you can really can see the building and just well in between. Of course, you have situation or facades in in a street that are not so uh, in view. So and you can make simpler and yeah, more repetitive. So you can yeah. you can make lovely. You can, you can also, and also developers uh, understand this kind of reasoning. They understand that you say, look here, this is a building on a corner. You can see it from two, no, from three sides. It has to be some more special than just buildings further in the street. So, yeah. so they understand it and they are willing to give some more money to that idea. And then you have this, in traditional building also, uh, these lovely elements that you can play uh, with, that is, I say always, gates and towers. So, I mean, gate, porch, you can pass to enter a new space. Yeah. So, just the make a kind of rooms of your urban space. It's lovely. Do. You enter a room, you leave a room, but an urban room, it has space, it is really, a, a, a identified space, identified space, and you, leave it and you and you can maybe announced you can see the next one already announced by a small tower that you can see above the the roofs of the space you're in but only can meet if you pass the gate and yeah and and arrive in the new space
0: yeah that's i think that's a beautiful idea uh, but but do you think this way of thinking about cities is getting more common uh, in Dutch ur- urbanism or in other... Oh, no, you're asking. That's
1: a difficult question to answer, because uh, I th- I think in architecture, you can see some more appreciation of of tradition. You see a development, of, yeah you see a movement that also modern architects are using materials, colors, and also the orientation of windows more vertic- vertical yeah. now than 20 years ago, uh, you see that they're looking more to traditional ideas.
0: Yeah. But I'm also asking specifically about this idea of space as being rooms and going away from the objects. Um,
1: I hope so. Yeah. I don't see it very clear in no. urbanism no. That, 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 there's, that that there's really a, a coming movement. No, and, uh, and I think what... Will have absolutely more accent these days is uh, climate. Yeah. Climate and uh, the way you have to deal with energy and traffic uh, because traffic the way we, the moving the way we do now, if you look on these, these, the high roads, the super roads, with all these cars, yeah. All these trucks transporting things and persons. It's absolutely ridiculous, I think. So there there is coming the next age, there's I think a lot of happening in urban planning and regional planning. And I think there's so much asking for housing now that we yeah. have we have priorities that are really prior <laughs> prior yeah. to others. But I, I hope, of course, that there are urban designers that also have this feeling for placemaking. Yeah. Simple yeah. as that. And the role architecture is playing in it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because do you also see the risk of, uh, if they don't do it right and they don't create places that people are connected to, that they are just building the ghettos of the future? I
1: don't know. That's maybe too too easily said. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. don't know you can speak that out as a, in the a hope that people think oh we shouldn't do that and we should make <laughs> more placemaking but i don't know uh i think uh ghettos have um, a lot more to do with the social situation people are in the, the money they can earn yeah uh, of course housing can uh, urban place can help people meet, meeting each other protect people people, but uh, I think ghettos most of the time has, have to do with uh, just social poorness. Of course, I also think and hope that giving attention to facades and to detailing, giving care and attention in general to yeah. products you offer to people is, is good as a function is is fine. I think people appreciate things of good quality, but at the same time, eating and living is more important.
0: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) it's it's higher up. It's like that. The pyramids. It's like that.
1: And and uh, and and well, I'm glad that in uh, in the beginning of the 20th century, the the law uh, has made it possible to to made us a quality standard in housing that came in a bathroom was a little was a little bit more important than that there is a decoration in the in in in, in the roof or in whatever so i'm i'm really (laughs) that was also part of my studies at the end of my university i did social housing yeah i ended in architecture so architecture in social housing and then you are very aware of the the progression that's made in the twentieth century in social housing, and that it is and that it was really, really very important also after the Second World War that it had to be made in enormous numbers. Yeah, and of course. It could have been more beautiful, I think, yes, it could have been made more beautiful, absolutely. But I think we've learned from it. If you look to what is done since the 70s in social housing in Holland, it it's still going to be better and better. So, and that I'm not so negative. I'm I'm, I'm more negative yeah. that you see more and more, and more now in, in the social development in the that you see there is more and more poor people. So I think we have to yeah, go to absolutely. the, the more initiative in social housing, in initiators that, that don't have to make these big profits.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and talking about the other uh, worries and ideas of the future, what do you think that the the city of the future or buildings of the future will look like, or what will trend towards looking like?
1: Uh, I, I I speak more of hope. Then I hope that there will be there will absolutely be there will be more green in it. I don't think that there will come very much tower-like solutions. Maybe more more apartments. I can imagine that there will be more apartments, and then with the green roofs and uh, and a lot of solar solar energy uh, solutions and materials. wise. and materials? Was, and because, materials yeah. I think much more um, a, a lot more uh, natural materials from nearby, and of course clay, which is the base of a brick can be used as a, a non-baked product yeah. but then it has to be protected a little bit more and that can be done by an, a roof that is overhanging more and, uh, and and you can put layers on it that it, that it could be used. The wood will be a very important product in the future. Maybe also natural stone from nearby. We don't have it a lot in Holland but just uh, in, in Germany and Belgium there's a lot very nearby. Yeah, France also. So I think uh, that these baked products, even when it's done by electricity, electricity will be so expensive that I think the brick maybe a brick could be still offered in, in very thin layers, not in the big in the form it, ha- it has now. Yeah, and also in in nowadays form, brick is already a cladding. It's not most of the time. It's not the basic constructing material it's it's really the, the the outside of the facade that is made in
0: yeah yeah and,
1: uh, but also i think concrete will disappear and uh and will be changed in in wood constructions with a fill-in it's not it's um i'm quite positive about it <laughs> i think you can make beautiful buildings with all these materials
0: yeah yeah, it's it's like we did before. We we went from using low energy building materials to high energy building materials. I mean, concrete uh, actually brick is also relatively high. Yes. Yeah, but the most. You, but <laughs> you can. Yeah, but you can. You can keep them for a long time. But still, they are. Yeah, yeah. Then you
1: are. Yeah. Then yeah. you are. Yeah, what I said. I think I said it. Yeah. Uh, already to you. Then you are looking in your, upheated... Street to your beautiful bricks in 300 years. Yeah. Well, uh, that's not a solution for this moment. Yeah, yeah. that is not the way it, uh, I think you but should. But
0: it might come down to solving the energy problems first before that's, we want that's, to. Yeah. That's
1: priority now. Yeah. That has yeah. priority. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, uh, yes, I th- but I think then I just traveled through Germany last week and I saw all this stucco. And you can make stucco also by clay in very, very simple material, natural materials,
0: and it's beautiful. Yeah, but what is underneath the stucco?
1: Well, you, there is uh, clay and, and, and wood, Yeah, just yeah. the way they made, you see still houses in Normandy and, and in France, and also in Germany, even in, in the south of, of Holland, in Limburg. Yeah, you see this these yeah, the wooden structures uh, filled in with, with, what is lame, what's... What's, what's the
0: loam loam yeah or clay
1: clay yeah it's, i i don't know the real word for it but but well this material you can y- use and and i'm sh- i'm sure that will if they concentrate on it the technicians will find very good mixtures of materials green materials clay and green materials that and 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 then uh next to that very good isolation materials and well then you can make fantastic buildings I think yeah not any problem even in any style
0: (laughs) yeah what what would new designers uh, that are being educated right now what do you think is important for them to take in mind to learn to focus on during their studies
1: uh well uh, education you mean architecture yeah, or urbanism why? or
0: architecture urbanism I well kind of think these
1: these 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 awareness of of energy saving materials is very important. They should learn that from in the material thing and then they should learn these basic things of well and then I'm have to doing a course of urbanism of course is <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 how do you build up a, a quarter? What is the function of space in it? Is there a central space? What are the um, what are the the, s- the routes, the streets to that central space? How do you how can you reach your central space? Where are the where is the shopping? Uh, where is the work? All these very basic kind of how do you make an urban structure, and ma- how do you yeah. make it a fine structure? Well, and there are books uh, uh, written full of it. I I've, I took. Yeah. A s- some examples here next to me of course Jane Jacobs I think The Death and Life of Great American Cities is a very important book these are old books but they are really about what is important in a city for people to meet each other to use a city to find your yeah. city at all to to find a home in your city The Image of the City of of Kevin Lynch the Städtebau, City Building, by Camille Osite. College City by Colin Rowe and Fred Cooter, Lovely book, I think. Very free, but I love it. And then, very, very lovely, and, and so good in how architecture and, and urbanism are working together, is The Concise Townscape of Gordon Cullen. Gordon Cullen is... Coming from the 60s, in a very difficult time uh, in, in urbanism, but he made notions so very clear and very good in this book. Yeah, the, the concise the concise townscape of Gordon Cullen, and then I think still has a lot of value as a pattern language, where um, Christopher Alexander uh, talks about uh, also the the atmosphere in streets and space by putting buildings in a certain way uh, in a side. Very lovely to see. And in the end, what did give a lot of uh, uh, enthusiasm to me is uh, the basic of the new urbanism from from the US. Peter Katz has has done lovely uh, books in that uh, with lots of good examples. But there are more books very, very famous person there is also, what's his name? Andres Duany, together with Elizabeth Blader-Seiburg. Yeah. Uh, He made a lot of books, but one of his lovely books is, I think, Towns and Town-Making Principles. And um, he's he's doing, he, he speaks so very clear about the functions of structures and places and the way you put buildings in it, and also about the quality uh, of the building and the ar- architecture of the buildings.
0: Yeah, yes. wonderful. I think uh, I think uh, yeah, this is a beautiful. Uh, these are some beautiful tips to to close off with, perhaps. And yeah, I also really liked uh, well having a bit of a talk about what well, the future for cities and what what might be coming because the world is changing, and uh, yeah, we ha- will have new challenges. And maybe not everything what was possible will be possible still. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think we should indeed think more about what materials we can use. Yeah, going back to the basics, which might define how our cities of the future might look like. And yeah, I'm also interested in what perhaps might come with, uh, well, trends like micro mobility. Yeah, Uh, like all those scooters you see zooming around and electrified skateboards and um, that sort of (laughs) (laughs) incredible things and uh, autonomous cars and who knows uh, what else will come. But uh, maybe that's for our next interview. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much, at least, for for this wonderful interview. Um, Do you have any other last words for the listeners or things you would like to add?
1: (laughs) Well, look around you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And... uh, uh, take care of of uh, cities that are lovely and beautiful now just the existing situations that you that you like now take care of them yes
0: wonderful thanks so much thank you for listening to another episode of the aesthetic city podcast if you like this content and support the mission of the aesthetic city you can support us by becoming a patron Visit the Patreon link in the description and discover the exclusive benefits you will receive when you become a patron, such as early releases, exclusive content, and access to our community. If you are looking for links to our website, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook, you can find them in the description of this episode. Thank you for listening. Until next time.